We're going to go to 2 Corinthians, is where we're going to start today. And we're going to go to chapter 5. It is a good day. Praise the Lord. I am going to talk. Um, we've been kind of bouncing around it for the last couple of weeks here, talking about what's ahead for this, uh, for our services ahead here. And, and one of the things that we've talked about is um, identifying with who we are in Christ, identifying with our identity in Christ. Amen. And so today I'm going to talk about identity. Amen. And who you are. Praise the Lord. And probably, to be honest, we'll probably be on it for a little while. I have no idea how long. Um, it's a subject I actually enjoy ministering on, and uh, because I find out if uh, if you know who you are, makes things work. When you don't, it's an open door for the enemy to come take. You know, uh, sometimes people get confused though. They get confused with where they are, with who they are, or with how they are, and who they are, and. Uh, your identity isn't based on how you are. Your identity isn't based on where you are. Your identity is based on what he says and only what he says. Amen. So uh, with that said, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, smile real big at your neighbor and just say, okay, neighbor, we're going to get it all today. Hallelujah. All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump in here, uh, verse 14 is where we're going to start. Sometimes it's kind of hard because there's so much being said already up to this point. And we might bounce around back here, back up a little bit off and on here today. But <clears throat> we're going to start with verse 14 of chapter 5. It says this, is for the love of God compels or presses us because we judge thus that if one died for all, then it's as if all died then, right? I mean, oh, well, he did die for all, all right? So in other words, he paid the price for all, amen? So that means you, you can receive it as if you paid the price. Is that right? Amen. He goes on to say, verse 15, and he died for all, just clearing it right there, and that those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. Therefore, in other words, because of this, because of what he's done, because of the price that was paid, because of the fact that even though, you know, physically you didn't die, amen, it's as if you did die. Therefore, amen, from now on, we regard no one, look at your neighbor and say, I think that includes you. Amen. Smile real big at your neighbor and say, now I know it includes me. <laughs> now listen, you got you to kind of, because a lot of times you get to talking about identity and about what the word has to say about you. And, uh, you know, it's, we maybe religiously agree to it, but we don't settle it because we allow how we feel or what's going on in our life or where we're at right now in our life or in our walk in God to determine or dictate who we really are in Christ. And so you have to recognize the fact a price has been paid for you. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whoever would believe on him. Whoever. Is there a who, whoever in the house? 
that whoever, say, look, look at your neighbor and say, that was me one, at one minute, at one time or another, right? Whoever believes on him will not perish but have everlasting life, praise God. See, a price was paid for all. That's what he's bringing out. So therefore, from now on, we regard, we identify no one according to the flesh. Oh, that's a challenge because some of you are ornery. Some of you, amen, don't know who you are yet. Come on now. But we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we have, also, we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer. In other words, we're not, we're not basing who he is just based on a, his you know, natural ministry on planet. We, it's all based on what he's done, the price that was paid, the work that was done. Amen. We identify with him based on all of that. Right? Come on now, because if it's just based on him walking in the flesh or in the natural, then we're going to have to go to, you know, we're going to have to go over to Israel and hopefully he'll come back and touch your fevered brow. And but how many know you don't, you don't need to have that, the physical touch from Christ? You can receive the price that was already paid. It's as if you were there. That's why even it talks about healing. You know, we were ministering on healing a little earlier. You know, you are the healed. See, I mean, I, but if you don't, you know, if you don't receive that, then, you know, you're going based on how you feel. You're, get, you're going on based on how it looks. And the whole time he says, no, you're the healed. Well, now, wait a minute. I, I, I got the sniffles. I got... I got a cough. My throat hurts. I, I got this. I got that. I got, I got this. Uh, yeah. No, 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 no. You're the healed. Because we're identifying with him based on what he's already done for you and me. And if you'll receive that, you'll walk in that. See, if you will receive who you are, it'll change where you are. If you will receive who you are, it'll change how you are. It just automatically begins to shift and change. But you have to receive who you are. Still with me? All right. He goes on, verse 16 again. Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer. Therefore, because of that, therefore, that's why every time you see the word therefore, you got to stop and see what it's there for. So that's why you... Take time and you emphasize some of these things. So therefore, if anyone, is there any anyone's in the house today? Any anyone's? So I know it's not proper English, but you get it. You got see, so you got to see because of what he's done, amen. So that 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 puts you right there. So therefore, if Jerry is in Christ, okay, if Trudy is in Christ. If Rick or Kathy is in Christ, are you still with me? So in other words, if he paid the price for you, the price already paid, done. You're not trying to earn it. You're not trying to somehow get him to come back and take care of you again. It's already been done. He paid the price, died for you. Amen. So you wouldn't have to, but it's as though you did die and pay the price because he already paid the price for you because somebody had to pay the price for you. So he decided he'd do it. That's right. 
So now you have to receive that he's done it. Therefore, amen, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Literally means a new species of being. You're different now. Why? Because of what he's done. And he says you're a new creation. So that means then old things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. Well, why is that? It's because you feel like it? You know, when I got saved, it wasn't no big deal. Some people, you know, have a big shindig at all, you know, big things happen, and then all of a sudden maybe the, the clouds parted and, and they, you know, something manifested and they shook and fell on the ground and, and got up, uh, you know, their hair was a different color or something, I don't know, and, you know, maybe, I don't know, but, you know, uh, you know, that didn't happen for me. I'm driving down the road and I'd just been hearing that you need to receive Christ and, and I'd been in some meetings and seen and, and saw some great things happen and couldn't explain it with my natural head. And uh, so I remember driving down the road and just saying, Lord, if you can do anything with a guy like me, then I'm yours. And obviously it must have stuck, you know. It wasn't based on feeling because he didn't, he didn't necessarily fill the car with the glowing light. An angel didn't all of a sudden manifest next to me and said, you're in, bud. <laughs> didn't have no big shindig, nothing. It just all I know is I made that decision. Come on now. And uh, so later on, I begin to learn some of these things, find out that I am who he said I am because he said I am. Had nothing to do with how I feel, had nothing to do with how it looks, had nothing to even do with, with the condition I was in. Because if you went by the condition I was in, you'd say it didn't stick. <laughs> I'm serious. Okay, we had a few moments in there, it didn't look like it stuck. But I remember one day, at the time I was, you know, loading semis with, you know, product and uh, driving a forklift, and I would go back into the coolers and I get the product, I come back out, pallet, pallet load of stuff, put it on the truck, went back out of the truck, back in to get some more product, I'm back and back out of the rows, back into the truck. And the whole time I'm thinking about this thing. And the word righteousness was the key word, and we're seeing that there in verse 21. And, and uh, you became the righteousness of God based on what Christ did. It had nothing to do with you. The only thing you can even remotely claim, even remotely, and even then we can argue it with the Scripture, that you just said yes to receiving Him. And the scripture says that even at that, it was the Spirit of God drawing you. So we could probably even debate that. So we could almost say you had nothing to do with it. <laughs> Except you just agreed. We, we probably should give, at least give you that. So I'm thinking about this, and we go into the, you know, get some more product. And uh, this Jerry Roberts guy got a revelation. Went in to get another load of product going in there, and all of a sudden, the guy that went in that row and the guy that came out were two different people because it clicked that I am who he says I am regardless of how it looks or how I feel. And it began to shift and change things in my life. 
all because I received who he said I was. I didn't get out and do a bunch of push-ups, run to the church and do a bunch of things, you know, didn't run home to my prayer room, didn't have one at that time, come on, didn't do anything except received who he said I was, and it began to shift things in my life, and if, if anybody in the house knows what I'm talking about, which I know a lot of you do, you can relate to the same thing, amen, I got free from things all because I received what he did for me. All right, we'll talk more about that as we get into this. I'm a new creation in Christ. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. Now, did, did the old things pass away? Behold, all things come new when you finally got a hold of it and the old things all passed away and everything? Be when did that happen? This is not a trick question. When you accepted him. Somebody says, well, I still think the way I, yes, you do. That's why we have to renew our mind. Well, I still, I, I still have the same color hair, yes, unless you dyed it. You might, maybe the only thing that might have even changed at that moment might have been maybe your countenance changed a little bit because there, maybe joy came over you or something, all right? Some people maybe, yes, some people we see it and they go, wow, you can tell something happened to that person. Amen. But not everybody. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. Why? Because of what Christ did. So if anyone is in Christ, he is right then defined as, identified as a new creation. Still with me? All right. Now, tell you what, I'm going to come back to this. We're going to go to, uh, let's go to Genesis. We'll come back to this text. Go to Genesis, the first book in the Old Testament. And uh, we're going to go to chapter 3. And uh, <clears throat> I want to show you today, just take a few minutes before we get any, you know, any further into this, is that this is the enemy has always been after your identity. He always attacks your identity. Because if he can shut you down there, he can shut you down the rest of your life or in certain areas of your life. So we see in, in Genesis 3, verse 1, it says, Now the serpent, we know he's talking about the enemy here, was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. Okay, just for whatever it's worth, the word cunning means crafty in a bad sense. Devious, deceptive, trickery, okay, all involved in that, all right? So, uh, so here comes the enemy, okay, he's deceptive. And he said to the woman, okay, this is already Adam and Eve are here, spoke to Eve, okay, said to the woman, has God indeed said you shall not eat of the tree, or pardon me, of every tree of the garden? Has God indeed said you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? Now, it's a little bit twisted, but, but you know, a little, little bit of truth, a little bit of deception. And the woman said to the serpent, now, he's looking for something. He's looking for a doorway in. That's, this is no different. From Genesis on, it's how the enemy works. Say something, do something deceptive, trying to find out where you're at. 
Are you still with me? All right. So the woman then said to the serpent, we may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat of it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. All right. Now, that sounds right, but how many know it isn't right? Because it didn't say anything about not touching it, because according to the Scripture, they were supposed to touch it because they were supposed to tend to it. They were supposed to take care of it and cultivate all the trees. Okay, but of that tree, they weren't supposed to eat of it. Right? Now, you say, well, it's kind of nitpicky. Not really, because the enemy, you know, just slides in there because... She's deceived. Now, I believe it wasn't her fault. I believe it was her husband's fault. I do. I do. Amen. <laughs> A lot of times it hasn't changed. It's still that way. But uh, anyway, I believe it was her husband's fault because we have record of God talking to Adam about all this. Okay? And so I believe what happened is that's what Adam said to her. He said, listen. We're not supposed to eat it. He says, listen, I don't even want you going around it. <laughs> Come on. I can say, don't touch it. Don't go around it. Don't you dare eat of it. Or you're going to die. You hear me? All right. Now, that's probably what happened. So then, you know, the enemy slides in there a little bit, you know, trying to, you know, ch check it out. And, of course, finds out she doesn't really have the truth. So he begins to work on that. All right. So what's he do then, all right? The serpent said to the woman, you shall not surely die. Are you kidding me? For God knows that in the day that you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Of course, it goes on to say that the tree became pleasant to the eye. She began to take a look at it in a different light. And probably, to be honest, that little thing that Adam said to her probably hung her because when she touched it and realized she wasn't dying, well, heck. Now, we're reaching. I get it. Maybe taking some liberty there. But I bet I'm not too far off. So he makes a comment to her. Listen, you know, God knows that when you eat of that, you're going to be just like him. And she bought into it. According to the scripture, she already was like him. They were made in his image and after his likeness. She could have said, no, no wait a minute, I'm already like him. Amen. And if you wanted to know anything about good and evil, God would talk to you because God never holds anything back. Now, we can go on and on and on about this text, but what he attacked was her identity. Amen. You're going to be like God when you eat this. See, I, it's no different than you and me. He convinces us of who we are or who we ain't. Come on, somebody. And he finds an in-row. Now, the enemy is looking for a doorway. Um, the best way to describe it is the doorway of ignorance. Ignorance is a doorway. Um, Hosea brings out that my people, that's what God said, my people perish 
for a lack of knowledge. In fact, the word ignorance, maybe I better define that, is defined as the absence of knowledge or to be destitute of knowledge. It means to keep one in the dark about whatever it is you're talking about. So um, sometimes ignorance, our ignorance, now listen, nobody likes to be called ignorant. Nobody does. I don't like being called ignorant. You don't like to be called ignorant. But sometimes we're ignorant. Come on. Sometimes we, we're, 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 we're not connected to the knowledge necessary to know something. So we're ignorant of some things. It's a doorway. Isaiah 5 even says that my people are brought into captivity because of no knowledge. They're absent of insight. So as a result of it, they're brought into captivity. Are you still with me? Um, I don't know if I gave you that. Um, Ephesians 4, maybe. I don't know if I gave you that verse, but Ephesians 4, verses 17 and 18 brings out. I give, oh, I did give you that. Okay. Uh, this I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk, conduct life as the rest of the Gentiles walk. He's talking to the children of God here. He says, listen, don't walk like you used to walk. The word Gentile just means he without God. So don't walk like, like you used to walk, right? In the futility or inutility of, of a mind. In other words, a mind that's not thinking clear, okay? Verse 18, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God or a non-participant. That word alienated just means non-participant. You're alienated from something, all right? You're alienated from the life of God, the Zoe life of God. So you're alienated or a non-participant because of what? The ignorance of them. So that's why they're, they're separate. So he's saying, don't you become like they are. So you got to know some things. So if you go back like to Ephesians 1, and he talks about, you know, being filled. Let's see. Yeah, they give you that one. God, our, uh, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge. See, God's never holding anything back. Verse 18, let's go ahead and read it. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know something. And, of course, it goes on, the hope of his calling, the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, the exceeding greatness of his power towards those that believe. I mean, it goes, all these things that you come into a place of knowing because God is trying to reveal things to you. The point I'm trying to make is ignorance becomes a doorway for the enemy as revelation is a doorway for God. All right, now, why is that so necessary? Okay, let's, let's look at, let's go, uh, we see Genesis, in the beginning of Genesis, how the enemy's attacking the identity of God's people. Come on, let's go to Matthew, Matthew chapter 3. Okay, now I'm just trying to show you something here. It's never changed. Okay, now what's happened here in context um, Jesus has just got water baptized by John the Baptist. Come on. And all of a sudden, praise God, a voice came from heaven saying, This is, hello, my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Now it's out. We all know because of the voice that came from heaven who the son is. Come on now. Now it's, it's all, 
All necessary. So what happened next thing? Chapter 4, verse 1. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Verse 2. Keep it moving here. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, afterward he was hungry, you'd think, right? Now when the tempter came to him, he said, what's he say? He's attacking his identity. I want to know, what do you know? See, did God not say, this is my son in whom I am well pleased? Right? Come on, right? So he just said, that's, that's who he is. So the enemy comes at him and says, if you are the son of God, command these stones to become bread. If you're the son of God, well, he is the son of God. He didn't have to prove anything. So he answers, there's a lot you can get out of this text. He answers, what's the answer? With the word, right? It is written. Everybody say it's written because that's going to come in key here for all of us. It is written. In other words, I am the son of God because he said I'm the son of God. Amen. And I know what I'm called to do and I know who I am because it's written. It is written, man shall not live by bread alone but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Well, what proceeded from the mouth of God? He's the Son of God in whom he's well pleased, and we, amongst other things. Now, you and me have all of this recorded now. Come on. This is all recorded for you and me so that at any given time we can say, you know, it is written. Right? Now, I'm just trying to make a point. The enemy always comes after the identity, all right? So he deals with it with a word. Verse 5, please. Let's go ahead and look at this. He comes at him again. Then the devil took him up into the holy city, set him on a, a pinnacle of the temple, and said what? What did he say to him? Verse 6, here we go. And said to him, if you are the Son of God, throw yourself down. For it is written, he shall give. Now the enemy said, okay, fine. You want to use the word off? I'll take some word at you. Did he not do that with, with Eve? Okay, did, you, know, you know, for it's written, you know, he shall give his angels charge over you. And, and it also says, in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. You know, it actually does say that. But he's going to take it and he's going to manipulate it. Come on. So what did Jesus do? First off, Jesus knows who he is. Jesus knows what he's called to do. Jesus said to him, it is written again, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. Good answer. Okay, so there's strike two on the enemy. All right, so up to bat again. Again, the devil took him up on a, an exceeding high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. Verse 9, and he said to him, all these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. And he says, well, how many know he had that to do? Because they had been given into his care. Because Adam committed high treason. So everything, now the enemy's running things. Come on, somebody. And, you know, the calling is being addressed now because all of that 
is going to be handed over to the Lord. Well, I'll tell you what. I know all that's coming to you. So I'll tell you what we'll do. Let's just cut to the chase. Let's just, you know, get her done right now. I'll just give it all to you. You just bow down, worship me. I'll, I'll just give it all to you. We'll just get her done. Well, next verse, it says this. Amen. Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. In verse 11, Then the devil left him, and uh, the word actually says in, I think it's in Luke's account, for a, a more opportune moment. Never had one until he was ready to lay down his life. And behold, angels came and ministered to him. Praise the Lord. Now, the point being made is the enemy is always first and foremost coming after your identity. That's what he wants to do. And if you don't know who you are, he can steal from you all day long. All day long. If you don't know uh, that you're a new creation in Christ, you're going to struggle with your walk. If you don't know that you're an overcomer, you're going to struggle. If you don't know that you're a conqueror, you're going to struggle. If you don't know that you're the healed, you're going to struggle. You don't know that you're provided for, amen, that all your needs are met according to, amen. If you don't know these things, what happens is you're always going to struggle and the enemy will always slide in, have a place to steal from you. Still with me? All right, so with that said, amen. Let's go back to 2 Corinthians. All right. 2 Corinthians. This time we're going to chapter 3, though. I'm just, let's go ahead and catch a few verses in here. 2 Corinthians 3. Now, how do, you, how do you find out who you are? Not a trick question, just, you know, think it through a little bit. What? The Word. It's the only way you find it out. You've got to find out because of the Word, right? The Word's going to tell you who you are. Amen. That's why you live by this, not bread alone. Amen? But you can't live on this. But you got to know this. If you don't know this, amen. You know, um, years ago, a couple years back, at an individual, uh, we were talking to him about staying in the Word and reading the Word, and they, they were pretty convinced they don't need to read the Word. And um, they made it clear. They, they, just, they just feel like they just all they need to do is just keep coming to church and hear what, what the preacher man has to say. And if I just do that... I'm going to be fine. No, you need to be, you need to be in the Word yourself finding out some things. I, don't, I just don't want to do that. I don't like doing that. Okay. Well, it wasn't long. And um, then they're being convinced by somebody who sits in their underwear in uh, mommy's basement and spews whatever they want to spew over the Internet. And because you don't know who you are, you believe it. So what happens is you buy a lie, and the enemy sneaks in there and just takes. Come on. You got to be in the Word. The Word has got to be a part of your life. All right, now, 2 Corinthians 3, because you don't want to buy into the guy sitting in his underwear in his mommy's basement. 
No, he was in his underwear. <laughs> Everybody has opinions. And they say, you know, we're all entitled to our own opinion. Well, that could be debated. Because if it don't line up with the book, then it ain't an opinion worth having. Anybody hearing me? All right. Now, what's going on in 2 Corinthians chapter 3 is a comparison between the Old Covenant and New Covenant. The comparison between uh, the ministry of Moses and the ministry of Jesus. The ministry of condemnation versus the ministry of righteousness. And it's given this comparison, all right? And it talks about that when Moses is read, in other words, talking about Old Covenant, that there's a veil that will cover the heart. In other words, you're not going to see everything clearly. It didn't say there's anything wrong with the Old Covenant. It just says that when you read the Old Covenant, when you read Moses, amen, there's a veil. You're only going to see so much. But when you look to the Lord, come on, and in context, talk about New Covenant, the price that was paid, what Christ has done for you. When you look to Him, the veil's taken away, and now you can see things clearly. Still with me? And there's liberty in that. Shackles fall off. Chains are broken. Addictions fall off. Come on, somebody. There's freedom and liberty when you can see things and you can know things that are true. That's why it says you'll know the truth. Okay, so in context, the truth that's being taught, being told, you'll know the truth, and the truth makes you free. But you've got to know the truth. Now listen, if you don't know who you are, you can stay in bondage the whole time, and you may be heaven-bound. We're not taking away your salvation. But you can live your whole life under bondage because you don't know something. So verse 18 of chapter 3 says this, We all with an unveiled face. In other words, all of us, new covenant believers, who are looking up toward Him, looking to Him, looking into the new covenant, amen, looking into the ministry of righteousness, looking to the Lord, Amen. We all with an unveiled face behold as in a mirror the glory of the Lord and are being transformed into that image from glory unto glory. In other words, it's progressive. Amen. It, amen. Every day it's changing and it says just as by the Spirit of the Lord. In other words, it's a work of the Spirit. But what you have to do is you got to have your face in the mirror. What's the mirror? Right here. This is the mirror. There's two mirrors. Well, there's more than two mirrors. But there's two, you know, in a sense, two mirrors. There's the mirror of God's word, and then there's the bathroom mirror. And you have to decide which mirror you're going to look into or which mirror you're going to believe. Still with me? Now, the mirror, we looked it up just in case. Because you never know, you know, it could be, maybe it doesn't really mean a mirror. It means a glass to behold, amen, and it refers to, to mirror oneself or to see oneself reflected, okay? 
So what he's saying is this, that when you open this up, you're not just finding things out about God. You're finding things out about you because it's your reflection. When you look into this, you start seeing this, and the more you look into this, the more by the Spirit of a God, by the Spirit of the Lord, it begins to change you from glory unto glory to where all of a sudden you're looking and reflecting no different than the anointed one himself. But if your face ain't never in the book, you may miss out on who you are. You may believe what the bathroom mirror tells you. Somebody says, this is so weird. Listen, it's amazing how you'll shoot yourself in the foot because you'll believe what the mirror says. I'm just getting so old. God, look at all these growth and looking at it. God, oh, embarrassing. Just a decrepit little old thing, barely making it. You don't watch it pretty soon. You just believe whatever anybody tells you. Then the enemy just takes his liberty and slides in and says, yeah, you're going to die young. Yeah. I don't know why anything should ever work for you because you're, yeah. Yeah. You're, you're horrible. Some people look at themselves and say, all they can see is their past. All they can see is their mistakes. All they can see is their addictions or their, you know, those things that have held them back in times past. That's all they can see. They look and they go, everything I did back then, it's all starting to show. Yeah. So what happens is you identify with what the mirror says. And you carry that on everywhere you go. So people start talking to you. How you doing? Oh, doing okay for an old fat guy. <laughs> Excuse me? Yeah, you know, just an old fat guy. You know, I'm going to die young probably. <laughs> or you look at me and you go, yeah, I'm as sick as a dog. It's amazing I'm even breathing. <laughs> Somebody says, what? No, 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 no happens all the time so what happens is we buy into that the, the problem is see you're missing you're looking into the wrong mirror if you look into this mirror it begins to change See, if you find out who you are and you begin to be transformed the word literally means metamorphosized that you're changed from one thing to another thing by the Spirit of God, and it, it just progressively happens because the more you're in that, the more you change to that. In fact, chapter 4 and verse 18 talks about, you know, you're not even looking at natural things. You're looking at the unseen. Come on, somebody, because the natural things are subject to change. They're temporary. Natural things are always temporary. What you're going through is temporary. How you feel is temporary. How it looks right now is temporary. 
Where you are right now is temporary. All temporary stuff. But what he says is eternal. He even said, my word, even if heaven and earth should pass away, my word will never pass away. It's permanent. So he says, that is what you focus on. That's what you set your attention on. And if you'll do that, it'll change the temporary. Still with me? All right. Uh, I tell you what, let's put that, uh, put Jeremiah 29. Let's put that up there just for real quick, and then we'll get back into, back into 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 5 here in a minute. Jeremiah, remember this verse? For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Now, you have to believe in your future more than you do your past. But I just want you to know something here. He said, my thoughts. So, so anytime you, you have to understand that anytime you get in this word, what, what are you hooking up to? You're hooking up his thoughts. Now, he's got thoughts towards you. And, and praise the Lord that usually his thoughts are a whole lot better than your thoughts. Come on, somebody. I mean, sometimes your thoughts about you ain't good. Because you know you. Look at your neighbor, smile real big, just say, you know. See, you know you. You know where you come up short. You know where you've messed up. You know, you know, how serious you really are, how into this you are. How, you, you know, you know, the thoughts that you had just even right now about your pastor. <laughs> I wish that guy would shut up and get on with it. I am. Amen. See, we know, amen, naturally speaking, where we're at, how we are, come on, how we look, how we feel. But the problem is, you ain't, we don't, we don't really want to know your thoughts. We don't really want to hook up to your thoughts about you. We want to hook up to his thoughts about you, right? Come on now, we're talking about identity. All right, so his thoughts are thoughts of peace. In other words, bringing wholeness, not of evil, not of destruction and ruin. So anytime you start thinking, you know, God's trying to teach me by making me, you know, get mowed over every other day. No, that's not God. You have an enemy. Come on. That's God's trying to bring order and, and, and wholeness and completeness in your life. Why? To give you a future and an expectation, a hope. You have a future. Right. Somebody says, well, now, if you only knew where I, no, 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 we're not, we're not concerned about your past. We're concerned about your future. Okay, now with all that said, go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and let's look at verse 17 again, okay, in the light of everything we've been talking about. All right. Whew. Now, do you believe more in God's ability than the enemy's ability? Now, come on, y'all know the right answer. Do you believe more in God's ability to give you a future than the enemy's ability to hold you in your past? Do you believe more in God's ability, amen, to, to bring victory in your life than the enemy's ability to hold you under? You have to, see, you got to settle it, okay? That's why we want to hook up to his thoughts, okay? All right, so verse 17 again, chapter 5. Are you there? Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Why are you a new creation? 
Because he says you are. Because you received him. You're in him. So now that makes you a new creation. So then if you're a new creation or a new species of being, what does that entail? Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. It's a new ball game. Well, pastor, I still got to work through it. No, 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 wait, whoa, whoa, breaks. Well, I still got to, no, no breaks. Hook up to what he says. And when you start doing that, it automatically starts shifting. You know, when I got saved, um, you know, I, I was pretty sure that somebody that's saved probably shouldn't do drugs. It's just a thought I had. But I, I thought, you know, that kind of makes sense. I probably shouldn't do dope. Don't do drugs because you probably shouldn't. It's just kind of, you know, it's just kind of a thought. So I, 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 you know, just stopped doing drugs. Okay, and I did do a lot of drugs, but, you know, a little speed here, a little pot, that kind of stuff. But, you know, done. Uh, we, okay, we, don't, we probably shouldn't do that. But now alcohol is a different ballgame because everybody drank. Even the Christian Pope. So it must be okay. And then, and then the more I got in, the more I started finding who it was. It was like all of a sudden I realized that's not who I am anymore. And we had a little, you know, little, little skid or two, a little, little hurdle or two. And, and then all of a sudden, you know, it was like, you know, this isn't me. Even though naturally speaking, it was me. But all of a sudden, it was like, that's not me. So by the time we moved out here, which we, we were only married about four months before me and uh, Trudy moved out here, I was already done with any kind of drugs, done with any kind of alcohol. But tobacco, now I didn't smoke, okay, but I, I chewed. All right, I've been doing that for a lot of years. Did that before I was even a, a teenager because that's what you do when you play baseball. Chew. So I chewed. I went from the thick leafy stuff to plug, and then from plug to snuff. And you know, you just you know, it's easier to carry snuff around. And we, you know, I don't soak it in alcohol anymore. Now I just do it without the alcohol. <laughs> we said, "What are you talking about?" Listen, I'm talking about the new creation stuff. And I remember, okay, I'm living out here, and I'm still, I'm still dipping snuff. And so, you know, we're not condemning anybody. It's just my story. Leave me alone. You want to chew? You chew. Whatever, that's your business. But you get your face in the book, you might be amazed how much stuff changes. And then all of a sudden, you know, I'm, I'm you know, meditating on the scriptures and all this. And, and uh, you know, I'm talking to them because... You know, it's, it's coming alive in me about, you know, the need to share your faith with people and talk about the things of God and, you know, reconciliation. Not only was I reconciled, but, I, man, God wants everybody reconciled to Christ and, and all this. And, and, man, I'm like, yeah, you know. And, and then, you know, somebody opened up, and I, I got to the place where I realized, you know, because I already got now some conviction going on about it. And so I stopped buying it. So I just bum a snuff. <laughs> That's okay, as long as I'm not buying it. Anyway, it's stupid, I know. But anyway, so I, I bummed a snuff, and brother opened up, and I'm dipping, loaded, talking about Jesus. And yeah, the Lord will deliver you. That's what I'm telling you. I'm talking about this. The Lord will deliver you from anything. I'm telling you, the Lord 
man, you want the Lord in your life. And he'll set you free. Hallelujah. You want Jesus? Oh, yeah, I should, I should probably think about doing. Yes, you should. You need Jesus in your life because he'll set you free. So all of a sudden, the Spirit of God goes, Jerry, it's kind of hard to tell people I'll set them free when you're not even free. Lord, not so. <laughs> but I knew exactly what he was talking about because I had already been dealing with conviction about it. And all of a sudden, I realized by a word of the Lord, I'm done. I can remember the day, went to that 55-gallon uh, drum over here, that was the trash can, unloaded my lip, spit it all back out, and I was done. Every one time, had a craving, I was done, a word of the Lord. But it all started from a process of metamorphosis, come on, going from glory unto glory, by the Spirit of the Lord, because I'm looking in the right mirror. See, there was no condemnation. There was no guilt. It just was, hey, that's not who you are. And all of a sudden, I was done. I was done with it. The shackles fell off. I was free. Can I hear a big amen? amen. Now, I got some of you a little nervous today. Just hang on here. I'm talking about a work of the Spirit. That's why I have a hard time getting anybody's face about their addiction. Because it, it didn't say they were changed from glory to glory by the Spirit of Roberts. It's by the Spirit of the Lord. Now, I ain't afraid to talk about any of it. Come on, somebody. And to tell you what it's like to be free on the other side. Come on, somebody. But it is a work of the Spirit. And if you let the Spirit take care of it, there is no more addiction. There is no more, you know, pull toward it. There is no more of it because all of a sudden you found out who you are. But when it's everybody else working on you, that could be debated. Is anybody hearing me today? And that's why a lot of times people struggle with it. Because they're doing it because of what somebody else said. Say, Pastor, listen, you're, you're raining on my parade here. I'm trying to get my husband to stop. Stop it. And let the Spirit of God do it. And then they walk free. Anybody hearing me? Listen, I know we got into a subject here. Amen. But I'm telling you, this is how it works. It's a work of the Spirit. You go from glory unto glory, amen, because you got your face in the right mirror. Okay, let's go a little bit further down here. Of course, it's talking about the ministry of reconciliation. We're all called to, to share our faith, right? Let's go down to verse 20 for sake of time. Now then, we are ambassadors. An ambassador, a diplomat. What? You're a senior representative of the kingdom. Now, why are you, why are you a ambassador? Not a trick question. It's just you're an ambassador because 
He said you are. It's that simple. Well, I don't feel like an ambassador. I don't look like an ambassador. I don't think anybody else sees me as an ambassador. But you're an ambassador. You represent the king. Because he said that when you would receive him, that you become a new creation. Old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. And everywhere you go now, you represent a different kingdom. So you are an ambassador because he says you're an ambassador. Now then, we are, that's part of your identity, an ambassador for Christ. As though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Verse 21. For he, he made him, talking about Jesus, who knew no sin to be sin for us. Why? Well, that we might become what? The righteousness of God in him. Now, according to the book, now we'll, some of these things we'll go back uh, and we'll deal, talk about some of these things further into this uh, series. But, but you are the righteousness of God. Why are you the righteousness of God? Because he said you were. Because that's his thought about you. Well, I don't feel righteous. The word righteousness, by the way, just means in right standing with. Uh, righteousness does, is not the same as holiness. Holiness is about conduct, whereas righteousness is who you are. You are in right standing with God. Why are you in right standing with God? Because of what Jesus did. Had nothing to do with you. You couldn't be good enough. But you receive what he said about you. Now, today, we got your, your nose in the mirror. Of course, nowadays, most everybody just looks up at the screen and not in their book. But, but this is your book. This is your mirror, amen, telling you who you are. You are an ambassador. You are a new creation, amen. You're free from your past. Why? Because the word says you are. I am the righteousness of God. I'm in right standing with God. Amen, because he said I am. Are you still with me? Somebody says, now, Pastor, this, you know, you should, you should have to do this, and you should have to work at this, and do penance for this, and, and, and listen, that's where we complicate the whole thing. Everything just gets complicated. Because, see, now, now you're trying to get good enough. So what happens is your identity then is based on your thoughts, not his thoughts. Because how do you know you're good enough? See, me and Rick, we could say, okay, how would you determine what's good enough? I could, say, I could tell you one thing. Rick could say, well, this is what I think is, and I, I could tell you what I think is good enough. And we might have two different stories. So who's right? Well, me, of course. But anyway, <laughs> no, how, who determines then? So does that mean Rick's right or does that mean I'm right? See, because that, my thought says this is what good enough is. So if I come to that place, now I'm good enough for God. See, it ain't based on my thoughts. It ain't based on your thoughts. Now, we want to get your thoughts and my thoughts connected with his thoughts, yes. But it's his thoughts that count. And if he says you're in right standing, then guess what? You're in right standing. When I went into that row with the forklift, that's exactly what happened. All of a sudden, I realized I'm already accepted. He already loves me. He already, he already likes me. 
I don't have to try to get God to like me. I don't have to try to get accepted. I don't have to try to get God to somehow, you know, look at me different. I just had to receive what he said. Okay, let's, let's look, since we're playing around with this, let's, let's look at this. Go to Ephesians. Ephesians 1. It's a good book to, to look at when you talk about identity. And again, we'll, you know, we'll, I think through the course of this, we'll take some of these things and, and, and kind of define it out a little better. But I think we just need to, today, look at this. Verse 3 says, blessed, blessed be the God and Father. Of, I'm in chapter 1 of Ephesians, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has what? Last tense, blessed us. So look at your neighbor and say, you're blessed. Look at your neighbor again and say, you're blessed because he said you were. Blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly place. He defines what it is. We're talking about every spiritual blessing you've got all available to you. Okay, why? Because he said so. Because of the price that was paid. That's how it all breaks down. Verse 4, just as he chose us in him. Look at your name and say, you're chosen. You're chosen. I don't have to, you know, you know, sometimes you think about chosen. It could be, you know, your, your, your kid's out on a playground and, and we're going to play a little game of, you know, of, of flag football or something. And so we, we got to start, we got to divide into teams. And, and you know, if you're the, if you're the quick little, uh, you know, kid, you know, you're probably going to be the first one picked. But if you're not, you're probably not going to be the first one picked. In fact, it might get to the end and you're the only one left standing there and both teams are full and they're looking at you and you're the only one standing there and realizing you haven't been chosen. And if you let that get to you and it's all about your thoughts, you're going to walk away from there saying, I'm not chosen. And that, if you don't watch it, that'll carry right on into your life. I'm not chosen. Somebody says, Oh, come on. No, that's how all this stuff happens. Because you base things on your thoughts. And that could have been a dramatic moment. And so now, all of a sudden, you realize you're not chosen. So now, the pastor man says, you're chosen. You go, I am not. No, yes, you are. No, I am not. No, you are chosen. No, no, you, you don't understand. You don't understand. Stop it. You are chosen. You're, you're on his team. You've been, you've been picked. You're chosen, right? So he chose us in him before the foundation of the world even, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, which starts talking about that'll start shifting and changing things in your life. Verse 5, having predest <gasps> predestined. You, I'm predestined? I got a destiny? I got a future? He's, he can do something with me? Well, you know, I mean, I've been through all kinds of stuff, man. I've been through marital problems and kid problems and health problems and financial problems. And, you know, I just, I, yeah, he's talking to me about a future. I ain't got no future. <laughs> oh, no. I'm just biding my time till one day I say, I'm out of here. See ya. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Wait a minute. Whoa, whoa, no, 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 no. You you got a future. In him, you have a future. No, no, no. Listen, you have a future because he said you do. And it says, to adoption as sons 
by Jesus Christ. You're adopted? This is all part of your identity. You've been, you've been grafted in, one scripture says. You've been, you've been placed into a, a family. You're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. Come on, you're, you're a part of a royal family. Listen, we're talking about identity. Now, that's easy to say. You know, I get it. We could sit here and say, you know, that's just easy. Read that. Okay, fine, whatever. We'll move on. But you gotta, you got to, somewhere along the line, you got to get yourself looking into that mirror and begin to receive and accept what it says. And if you'll do that, you'll start changing to it. If you will change Amen. If you will recognize and receive who you are, it'll change where you are. It'll change how you are. Are you still with me? But you've got to receive who you are. All right, let's go to the next verse here. We're going to play uh, this good one. To the praise of his glory, of his grace, but which he made us, uh-oh, accepted in the beloved. Again, you're accepted. Wow, is that, is that what yours says? I'm accepted? Well, you know, if you knew uh, the stuff I struggle with, you wouldn't say that, Pastor. You wouldn't be preaching this. If you knew what I was going through, you wouldn't be preaching that. No, no, you probably need to hear it because of what you're going through. Because if you'll hear it and receive it, it may change what you're going through. I try to look at all of you because sometimes I catch an eye and you're kind of talking about me. I'm talking about all of you, okay? This isn't just for one person. This is for every one of us. I was one day feeling the same thing. I had the same things because of my own problems, my own addiction, my own anger, my own selfishness, my own arrogance, and all the mess that went with all that stuff. I couldn't see how anybody, I mean, I, I, my, my parents would, I'm spitting all over you, Gloria. I'm so sorry about that. <laughs> I had parents that would, had no problem saying, Trudy, you can come over anytime you want to. You can leave him at home, but you can come home. <laughs> the truth. Am I right? But I'm okay with that right now. I know who I am. Now, the point is, is because of my past and because of the embarrassment and because of all the nuisance that I, you know, I created, my family had a certain opinion of me. Don't blame them. But then I got saved. And then I got my nose in a mirror, and I began to find out who I really was. And they all thought I was a little kooky because he's on a tangent. He's gone off the deep end, and somewhere along the line, he'll come back around. Because of my past, who they identified me with, Come on, somebody. They said, it's inevitable he's going to come back around. But I kept my nose in the right mirror. Come on, because, see, you can give way to any of this. You could get your nose in the other mirror and go right back the way you used to think. Even being born again, heaven bought, amen, or I mean, blood bought, heaven bound. Come on, somebody. You can still think like the world thinks. 
Come on, think like you used to think. But when you get your nose into the right thing, it begins to shift how you think, and it begins to change how you live. Are you still with me? And it doesn't take much. It ain't about, you know, making sure you get the whole Bible read in a week. Because chances are you won't retain much of it anyway. But take the little pieces and the little things and begin to meditate on it. And it begins, amen, this process of renewing a mind and transforming you, metamorphosize you, amen, into his image. Verse 7, in him we have, what, redemption through his blood. So you're redeemed through what? His blood. Not yours, but his. So you've been purchased and bought. See, I mean, no matter how you look at this, no matter how you try to lift your past, See, you are not your past. You are not your history. You are not your mistake. You are not your issue. You're a new creation. Blood bought. Come on. Redeemed. And then it says, has the nerve to say forgiven. Are you kidding me? I seen what you did. You need to earn your forgiveness. Bucko. Now you better watch it. Because you're forgiven because he says you're forgiven. And you might be amazed, Mr. Forgiven, that if you'd receive who you are, how fast you'll walk free from your past. I'm forgiven because he says I'm forgiven. Are you right? Right? You know how you know we could go on. You are an overcomer because he says you're an overcomer. You are more than a conqueror. Well, why? Because he says you're more than a conqueror. That no matter what you're dealing with and facing, you can conquer. And all of a sudden, it's like I can conquer. You can conquer. I can overcome. You can overcome. He's given me the victory through Christ. I have the victory. I don't feel victorious. You have the victory. Then I'm victorious. What happened? Stepped out of the phone booth. <laughs> Leads you in all triumph. I'm triumphant? Yeah. Are you kidding? No. Yeah. He leads you in all triumph. In all things, it says. What is It's identity. You start feeling, I can conquer, I can overcome. Man, I'm not a loser. I'm a winner. I'm not a victim. I'm a victor. Hey! forward amen you start moving forward because all of a sudden you don't see yourself 
like you used to see yourself. Identity, who you are, is based on what he says. Who you are is based on what that mirror in front of you says. Who you are is based on, amen, what he's done and what he has said. Did you get something today? Look at your neighbor and say, you're a new creation. Amen. Why don't you all stand up? Praise the Lord. Did you get something today? Give the Lord a praise. Amen. Hallelujah. Oh, yeah. Good. God is good. Amen. Hallelujah. Woo. Father, we give praise and glory for your word. We give praise and glory, Lord God, for your thoughts, your thoughts about us. Thank you, Lord God, that, hallelujah, that our thoughts are connecting with your thoughts, that we're beginning to see ourselves as you see us, as the head and not the tail, as above only and not beneath. Hallelujah, the greater one on the inside. Hallelujah. Because of that, we can overcome all things. And Father, we give honor and glory for that. Thank you, Lord, for these principles. Thank you for our true identity. Thank you, Lord God, that we accept and receive who we are by your thoughts. And Father, we give honor and we give glory. Thank you for joining us for this message. We'd like to take this opportunity to encourage those listening from anywhere in Central Oregon to join us Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. and Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. for our regular services. We understand that many do not have a home church, and we can't emphasize enough the importance of connecting with a church family. We'd be honored to meet you and spend time with you praising God.